Hi, this is Arthur Pearson, a volunteer at Medewa National Tallgrass Prairie. You are listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in three, two, and one. Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. After 20 years, still Chicago's only deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Saturday morning on 1590 WCGO. Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine will... Good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. They're sometimes called the odd couple. If only because the word aberrant doesn't fit in the logo. Here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. High forests, the wetlands will. Good planets are in demand. Nailed it. Okay. Got it. Right. Hey, good morning. Boy, have we got a lot of stuff going on for you uh, today. Uh, if you uh, listen to the full two hours, and I hope you do, unfortunately, it's a beautiful day, and I know that a lot of folks want to go outside, but... But but they can bring their phone with exactly, them. Exactly. They can bring their device with them. You know, it's the 21st century, however they want. Tune in to tune in. Yes. Tune in to tune in. And uh, so let me go through these uh, uh, folks who are going to be on the show really quickly because then we have a, a, a kind of a big announcement to make. And we're going to make part of the announcement here. And we're going to clarify it a little bit later in the show because this is our short first segment on the program. Uh, we're going to start with Heather Holm, who's done this fantastic book. You need to get your hands on it if you care at all about bees and gardening and your backyard and especially bees. Did I say bees? Um it uh, it is. I've got a copy right here. We got two copies right here. Bees: An Identification and Native Plant Forage Guide. Wow, is this book cool? Um, and photographs, lots mm-hmm. of photos, and lots chock full of information. Uh, she starts the show. Uh, then we have uh, Brett Bloom, who's going to explain what Camp Breakdown Breakdown Panchamanka is. Okay. I think you said that right. I think I did. I have no idea. Uh, but it's interesting. It gets you back to the earth, puts people in tune with the earth, that sort of thing. So uh, that is coming up also in the, the first hour. Second hour, we start with Jim Klein-Wachter from the Conservation at Home program. He's a program director at the Conservation Foundation. And Valerie Kehoe from the University of Illinois Extension, Cook County. Uh, and they're bringing Conservation at Home to... Cook County, which is really cool, which means how to plant good stuff in your backyard that will attract those bees, the aforementioned bees and butterflies and critters. It's of almost all like time. we'd planned that. You'd think, but we didn't. Uh, and then finally, uh, we're going to talk to Brian Imus, executive director of the U.S. Green Building Council, the Illinois chapter, 
uh, about a, an event they have coming up, the Limelight, but they've also got lots of plans for the future and strategic plans, and uh, it just sounds like that's going to be very, very interesting. So chock full of stuff on the show today. That's kind of what we have in mind, and we hope you'll stick around for the whole thing. We might even talk farmer's markets because I blew by the uh, Logan Square farmer's market on my way up here. Uh, to Evanston today, and I know a lot of them are starting today, so that's really cool. Well, maybe we'll have a list of those. But, big announcement. Those of you who are gardeners in Chicago know that there hasn't been an awards program in the city since 2011. Well, guess what? That's changing. We are bringing gardening awards back to Chicago. And when I say we, I mean the Mike Novak Show and Natural Awakenings, Chicago Magazine, and uh, Illinois Extension, and the Shedd Aquarium, and a group called Chicago Community Gardeners Association. And we are going to have an awards ceremony later this year, and we're going to have an awards contest for gardening in Chicago. We're back, folks. We're back! And uh, I just posted all of it at The Mike Novak Show on Facebook. You can go there. We'll probably have other links. This starts this year, 2017. It's called Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. And all those folks are involved in it. And you can enter if you grow a garden in the city of Chicago. You have to be a resident uh, to do this. Uh, sorry for you, uh, suburbanites. Get your own awards. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> You know, there's a lot of people in Chicago as it is. I don't think I can handle doing the whole area, uh, especially since, you know, we're sponsoring it. We're one of the sponsors oh, yeah. of this. Okay. So so I couldn't enter anyways. Uh, no. So uh, we hope you – we will have all the information up. And if you go to the Mike Novak Show on Facebook right now, you can find the link to the Facebook page for Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. Like it. Share it with your friends. And enter. Become part of this. We think it's going to be really fun. We're hoping to get a lot of uh, entries. We know that Master Gardener is going to help uh, judging, and other people are going to help with judging. Uh, we are very, very excited about this. And later in the show, when Val Kehoe uh, from Illinois Extension is here, we're, we're going to talk about it. So uh, stick around. We hope you listen to the whole show. Again, Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. Go to the Facebook page, like it, share it, and uh, call us if you're interested. 847-475-1590. This is the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We got a lot going on today, so stick around. Have you taken advantage of the Mike Novak Show special offer at the Sugar Beet Food Co-op in Oak Park? Yes, the Sugar Beet is a community-owned grocery store, but it's open to everyone, and it features local and organic products. Stop in, mention the Mike Novak Show, and you'll get $5 off any purchase of $15 or more. The Sugar Beet Food Co-op is at 812 Madison, just west of Oak Park Avenue, and online at sugarbeet.coop. That's sugarbeet.coop. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. 
Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? That's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair care products available to make sure you get exceptional color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins ordinarily found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots offers non-toxic, vegan-friendly nail services. They've also just introduced a complete menu of natural hair care services for textured hair of all lengths. And how many salons do you think repurpose hair clippings, recycled product containers, and use LED lighting? Walk into 21st century hair care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. This is sports director Kevin Burgess. Make sure you catch my sports report every day from 5 to 7 p.m. on French and Friends, sponsored by 1090 Brewing. That's a way to wake up on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Okay. Tune it up. Yeah. Hey, I've got a, a notice for you. I got this uh, little letter in the mail here. Uh, the daughter of the president requests your presence at tea. Did you get one of those? Um, I didn't clean up my mailbox yesterday. Oh, okay. Anyway, we're talking about Alice Roosevelt. Oh, her. Okay. Who beckons you to step back in time to 1905 at Historic Fisher Farm in Bensonville on Saturday, June 3rd. The fiery and witty first daughter tells tales of her father, Teddy her rocky relationship with her stepmother, Edith, and her romantic alliance with the future Speaker of the House, Nick Longworth. Nestled, actually, you know, as Alice Roosevelt Longworth was her full name eventually, but not in 1905. Nestled in 100 acres of remnant prairie, the Fisher homestead has been beautifully restored and is just minutes away from pretty much everybody in the Chicago area. Go to Fisher Farm, F-I-S-C-H-E-R, Farm, on Facebook, for more information. And now we go to the phone lines and bring in Heather Holm. Heather, good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you on this? Uh, what's it, where are you and what's the weather like today? I'm in the Minneapolis area and it's a beautiful morning. Yeah. I wish every morning was like this. Yeah, no kidding. We've got one <laughs> yeah. of those in Chicago. So late, and, and as you know, uh, have you been, uh, are you there? Is that where you live? Yep, that's where I live. Yep. Uh, that's right. I think I read that in the book. Uh, well, then you know what the spring has been like here, and <laughs> it it hasn't exactly been good for bees, has it? Uh, no, it's been pretty sporadic. So you know those periods of warm and then cold and then warm. It's it hasn't made even just looking for bees very fun. So and hopefully going forward we have some good weather. More, more bee activity. Yeah, well, I want to get back to that in a second, but I want to let folks know that uh, Heather is the author <laughs> uh, of a book called Bees, an Identification and Native Plant Forage Guide. And it's, I, I, I start, I almost waxed poetic on this on my blog about how this was your second book and how jealous I was. And I just can't, I can't get over it. I can't get past it because the book is so good. And I thought, you know, if that's her second book, what's her third book going to be like? Okay. <laughs> 
Well, I don't know what the third book is yet. So. Oh, okay. Well, so you've peaked here. Is that it? Is that what you're telling me? I don't know. I don't know. I just need a new subject matter, maybe. I don't think so. Uh, but maybe you do. But this is uh, this is fabulous. If folks are interested in bees, uh, and a lot of us are now because we know that our uh, oh, come on, our bees are in danger. Um, they are threatened. They they have a lot of natural and unnatural enemies, which we'll get into in a second. Uh, and what's remarkable about this book is that you describe bees, you, you, you go into the science uh, of, of who they are and what they do and how they live and the different... What uh, they eat. What they eat, what the different kinds of bees uh, and, you know, how you tell them from wasps and how you tell mm. them from flies and... Um, and then you bring in the plants and say, okay, these plants attract these bees and these plants attract these bees. I mean, it's so comprehensive. You got maps, you got charts, you got beautiful photographs. Uh, Did you take any of the photographs, Heather? Yeah, I I took almost all of the photographs in the book. Oh, my goodness. Now, see, now I'm even more jealous, okay, (laughs) if if it's even possible. Uh, I spend a lot of time crawling around on the ground um, (laughs) waiting patiently for bees to show up you know what that's very interesting because i've done that in my neighborhood where uh except in my neighborhood you know in logan square in chicago i will be flat on my back on the sidewalk in the front of the house because there's something i'm trying to get either it's a a plant or an insect or an insect and you know unlike you you're probably out in in the woods someplace and nobody's Nobody cares, but no, no. My neighbors think I'm crazy. <laughs> oh, good, good. <laughs> oh, good. Work. Yeah, yeah. Because they, right. they see me doing really strange things in my own yard. So my neighbors think I'm crazy too. I'm the I'm the crazy old white guy in <laughs> on my block. Okay. <laughs> I'm the crazy plant lady on the block. Uh, there you go. We're both crazy here. That's uh, still crazy after all these years. Uh, I want to get back. Uh, there's there's so much I want to discuss, and we have so little time, but at least we've got uh, uh, until about 945 to do this. So uh, believe me, we're going to cover everything. And if anybody has a question themselves, they should give us a call at 847-475-1590, 847-475-1590, and talk to Heather Holm. Um, we let's start where we just did with the uh, weather that's not been cooperative this year, and bees uh, need a certain warmth to come out and begin their work. And the weather was warm early on, and then it got cool, and then it got warm, then it got cool. It's, as you said, it's been sporadic. Does that throw them off their game? It can throw some uh, bees off, essentially because. They well. They usually come out at the right time. They're a lot of the time they're using soil temperature as a cue. So even though we have a warm up, the soil isn't warming up as quickly. Um, but the thing that can be troublesome is if we have a cool period, then plants will uh, not go into flower, and then the bees essentially don't have any food when, especially the early ones that are coming out. So that can be a bit of a challenge for them. Uh, they can wait it out for several days, but, um, uh-huh. you know, it it really depends. But this year definitely has been uh, very odd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I was worrying about certain types of bees, thinking that, oh, my goodness, you know, the red maples are finished flowering. Uh, what are they going to forage on next? Because nothing was sort of following suit in, as far as what what's going to provide flowering plants after that, because 
because the weather sort of dropped off and got very cool. Yeah, I was I was kind of wondering which bees in particular were you concerned about? Uh, well, we have some a couple of bees that come out early in the spring that are ground nesting, uh, cellophane bees, uh, as well as mining bees. And the cellophane bees I was worried about the most because uh, they emerge almost um, at the same time as the red maples start to flower. Uh-huh. And so they had the red maples to forage on, and then uh, the willows had a very short flowering period this year. Um, really? Why is that? Uh, probably just weather, yeah. weather-related. Uh-huh. So just having enough food was what I was concerned about for them. What's interesting is already you've gone into uh, different kinds of bees. I have a feeling that people, the average person, thinks basically there's one kind of bee, and that's honeybee. Yep, that's, that's about it. For, for most people, that's, that's their model of uh, what a bee is, and, and that's uh, not what most of the bees behave, or that doesn't represent the lifestyle of most bees. So it can create some challenges when you talk to people about, well, how do you garden for bees? How do you plant for bees when they're basing that on one kind of bee? And we've got, you know, in, in, in Illinois, you have close to 500 species of bees. So probably in the Chicago area, you know, 300 different kinds of bees that you would, could potentially find. So that creates some challenges as far as, well, well, how do you garden for all these different kinds of bees? Yeah. And the answer is they're, they're, you know, they're coming out at different times throughout the growing season. So you essentially just have to provide enough flowering plants from early spring all the way through to late fall in order to basically have the the buffet open at all times. We're talking to Heather Holm, who's the uh, author and photographer uh, for uh, an identification, uh, bees and identification and native plant forage guide. Uh, Getting back to the idea of folks don't understand how many bees are out there and can't possibly identify them. Uh, we also have the issue of bee lookalikes. Oh, yes, we <laughs> Im- do. Yeah. Imposters, and we have bees uh, bees that are not actually imposters, but uh, you know certain uh, uh, wasps that people mistake for bees usually in the fall. When they're coming and raiding your picnic table, people go, oh, no, all those bees. But they're not really bees, are they? No, those are usually yellow jacket wasps that are invading your picnic, interested in the the pop on the top of your pop can. Uh, So bees sort of get a bad name sometimes because people think uh, wasps are bees when they actually aren't. And, And that comes into the play with singing as well. Most most of the time people are sung by wasps, not bees. And so it's hard to overcome uh, the perception for the general public about about bees and that it's it's safe to have them flying around and um, and they're not the insects showing up at your picnic. Uh, no, no, they're not. But what are these uh, imposters that you're talking about? I was fascinated by that in the book because I wasn't really aware of that. Yeah, the there's a number of flies that uh, look like bees or even wasps. So it's a it's a really interesting survival strategy essentially. So if you if you're a fly and you look like a stinging insect, mm-hmm. but in fact you can't sting, like... um, then a bird may think twice about having you for lunch because you <laughs> may you know you may counterattack. 
so it it's, uh, basically provides them some protection. And it can be really confusing for the new, the new person going out and thinking, oh, I'm going to go uh, look for bees or, you know, flower-visiting insects on, in my garden. And uh, it's, it's really difficult when you're just starting out to sort of parse out what you're actually seeing. Uh, we, again, are talking to Heather Holm, author of Bees and Identification Native Plant Forage Guide. Our phone number is 847-475-1590. In fact, we do have a phone call right now, and that's Nick in Chicago. Nick, you're on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Heather, I have a question for you. Um, la- last year, we had some bumblebees nesting under our house, and... Um, they became a problem. I didn't want to use any kind of chemical uh, chemicals to uh, uh, get rid of them or, or, or harm them, really, but just try to get them to, to move. Um, I tried a, a, a rag soak with vinegar, which I saw online, which didn't really work. Have you any suggestions? Yeah, so were they um, flying in and out close to where you were sitting or your patio or something, Nick? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, bumblebees, they do form little small colonies, and it's very, very difficult to um, ask them nicely to move <laughs> once they've, uh, the queen has established a nesting site. And then usually the nest uh, does not survive if it is moved. So there can be, in some situations, there's really not a good solution. The thing to remember, though, um, unless you were to stick your hand right in the nesting area, uh, the activity of them coming and going is doesn't really pose a risk to people, or you know you wouldn't yeah. get got stung unless you really disturb the actual nesting site. Yeah, th- th- uh, that's what I noticed is that yeah. um, you know when I would accidentally or inadvertently um, disturb them, then they would kind of, they would they would buzz me, but but I was never stung by them. No, no, yeah, you you wouldn't get stung unless you really had your hand right in the nest. So <laughs> um, and so the the nests are annual. So the, the, all the bumblebees would have perished at the end of the growing season in late fall. And so one thing you can do is to discourage them from building a nest in the same place is just to cover the opening where they were getting access under your house. Excellent. I will do that. Thank you very much. All right, Nick, thank you so much for calling. I'm glad you're listening to the show. Thank you. Great show, Mike and Peggy. All right, have, yeah. a, have a great Sunday. You too. Take care. Bye. Uh, again, our number is 847-475-1590 if you've got a question for Heather Holm. All right, so Heather, what you're saying about this, just plug it up, or, or, or what, what, what was the solution for that? Well, I, I suggested to plug, plug the hole after the end of the growing season. Oh, right, so right, right, right. It right. doesn't become... Uh, a bumblebee nesting site this season. So he's, I mean, I would love to have a bumblebee nest under my house. I, I would consider. I would consider that good luck. Yeah. actually. Yeah, I would. But be if you've excited, got small I'd children, be... I, I get that. But you know, yeah. in, uh, uh, that's. Uh, but that raises another question, uh, and there's so many questions. Uh, one is, are they really bumblebees? Could they be bees that look like bumblebees that are not bumblebees? Well, in the Chicago area, you have uh, large carpenter bees, and that's probably the only other kind of bee that would look similar to a bumblebee. And they tend to nest in holes in wood, even uh-huh. on house, houses or sheds or wood structures. Um, but most people, you know, as far as identifying bees, most people know what a bumblebee looks like and a honeybee looks like, and then 
all the other kinds of bees they don't know. <laughs> it's just just something flying around, yeah. and well, yeah. you know, and and I I have to confess to that myself because earlier this year, on my back porch, there were there was something flying around. I assume they were bees. They might not have been bees, um, but they what they were doing. I had left a bamboo mat over a rail on my back porch. Uh, so, you know, it's got each little bamboo thing with little holes in it. Oh. And they were climbing into it and, and nesting, I believe, in it. Would would that have been the case? Yes. So, yeah, about about 30% of the native bees will nest in cavities, including something like a hollow bamboo stem. So, was this recently, this spring? Yes, this spring. Happened? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so that could have been something like an orchard mason bee. They they will look for uh, cavities like, like what you have in, in the mat. Yeah. And um, sometimes it could just be males coming out and then investigating mm-hmm. where a female may think about establishing a new nesting site, or you may already have some bees nesting in that yeah. mat. <laughs> I, I, I tend to find a lot of the mason bees, yeah, just buzzing around. I've got a couple of bee houses, mm-hmm. and they're just constantly there, in and out, in and out, and they're not really doing anything except, like you said, investigating. Yeah, the investigating and flying around around nests is typically more males than females. Females are on a mission. They're, they're the ones that are, uh, you know, going out, collecting pollen and nectar, purposely coming back. So they've got in and out um, purposeful yeah. flight patterns. Yeah. And the males, the males are out cruising. Uh, yeah, the males are just sort of flying around, waiting for some females to show well, up. Well, uh, so we've... They, yeah, I'm sorry. We've got a break coming up here, Ben. I think we uh, we have that. So I just want to let folks know that they can call us back in at uh, 847-475-1590. Heather Holm, author of Bees, an Identification and Native Plant Forage Guide. Stick around. We'll be right back. Is this the year you finally get your lawn off drugs? But why stop there? Why not work with your city, your park district, and your local schools to create a neighborhood of lawns that are beautiful and safe? Logic Lawn Care is an Evanston-based company with a decade of experience managing large turf areas naturally. They'd be happy to sit down with you, your local school, or city to answer any questions and to give you a free lawn care estimate. Go to LogicLawnCare.com or call 847-421-6500. Do you remember when you were a kid and monarchs and other butterflies were everywhere? When is the last time you even saw a monarch? It's time to get back to nature and enjoy its elegance. Natural Communities Native Plants can help. Get rid of those pesticides and plant a wildflower sanctuary in your own backyard. Sit back and watch the birds and the bees and, yes, monarchs. Established native plants require less maintenance, no watering, or fertilizers. Necessary and beautiful, they're a lazy gardener's dream. What's not to like? Natural Communities has more than 200 species of hard-to-find true native flowers, grasses, shrubs, trees, and seed. They can please everyone from the nerdiest native plant geek to the neophyte. They even have native garden kits for beginners. And until May 31st, mention the Mike Novak Show and get 10% off any plant purchase. Get back to nature. Go to naturalcommunities.net. That's naturalcommunities.net. If you garden in or around Chicago and you don't have a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, I'm a little worried about you. 
That's because you're missing out on not only the garden magazine for our region, but one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, as well as articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, and What to Do in the Garden. Of course, there's my column on the inside back page of every issue, but into each life a little rain must fall. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere, but go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. That sound you hear is my time machine letting me know it's time to return to our own world. This is your talk. WCGO. Hang on. And you talk sweet talk I get a knocking in my knees And a wobble in my walk And I'm trembling Yeah, we know why people tremble It's because they see bees in their backyard That's basically it And and they're shaking Uh, Welcome back to the Mike Nowak Show Well, what? They they shouldn't be No, you know, that's a really good point Is... uh, uh, Heather Holm, who's the author of Bees and Identification and Native Plant Forage Guide. How do you get people past those kind of lizard brain fears? Um, it's It takes a, a little education, doesn't it? it? Yeah, it takes a lot of education, in fact. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I give a lot of presentations. I, I make sure to include that in every one. Um, but I think I convince about 5% of the people going away that bees are... Uh, not aggressive. They don't pose a risk to people. So it's hard to overcome some of the preconceived notions that people have about bees and stinging in particular. Yeah, we just have to, you you have to keep slogging away at that and and hope that eventually people get the message. Uh, We've got another phone call. uh, And who is it we've got there? I don't have my phone thing. Wait, Mark. Mark and Park Ridge. All right, Mark and Park Ridge. Good morning. You're on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Good morning, folks. We have, uh, I think it's, uh, it's turning out to sound like a common problem because all of our neighbors are experiencing this. We have a, a wooden deck, and we're experiencing what we believe is referred to as carpenter bees. And okay. they're making uh, beautiful, nice, perfectly round holes <laughs> in the structure of our deck. And uh, they don't sting, and uh, they're just buzzing around, making holes all over the place. Anything besides shooting that, there's a powder, I think, that you'll probably explain to us uh, what that is. That, that I think it kills them, I don't know. But is there anything else, any suggestions? Yeah, large carpenter bees are, are tough because uh, a lot of their natural habitat of you know old trees that are dead and uh, that provide nesting opportunities, now they're turning in urban uh, landscapes to our structures, <laughs> and yeah. they can be destructive. Um, other than uh, you know eliminating the nest, I have not had anybody tell me a better solution. One person recently said um, anecdotally that they hung a, a bird nest box near where the nest was uh, being constructed, and that seemed to deter more carpenter bees from. Um, thinking about building a nest in your, your deck or whatever structure it was. Ah. Um, but that's entirely anecdotal. I have not tried it 
and I've had only one person tell me that. But it, it can be very challenging, uh, other than... Yeah, there's, there's more than one. Right, other than more replacing than one your deck with uh, and, and composite decking. Uh, l- let me ask you something, <laughs> what Heather. What is that spray, that oh. powder that they're suggesting? I forgot the name. Oh, it's likely uh, some kind of insecticide that would that would kill yeah, the kill the bees in the nest. Or um, Okay, go ahead. Uh, what, 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 so given the pesticide and given the fact that our, our bees are threatened, what would be the alternatives to this? Right. Yeah. Heather? Yeah, I, I don't have very good answers yeah. regarding carpenter bees. Right. I, uh, you know, it, they, they tend to go after wood that is already starting to soften or, or rot. Hmm. They typically won't excavate their nest in brand new wood. Yeah, well, so is... your deck may be... Uh, <laughs> there you go. There's your answer. Call Ron Cogdill <laughs> yeah, really. at Tear Mighty House. Whole, tear the whole deck down. Yeah. Now, this, was, this is treated wood, as a matter of fact, and it's, um, and it's not that old. But um, yep, that's, that's I, I, I'll have to look into that. It's a, uh, you puff it into the holes, and I forgot so, the name. Something we can maybe and, look and, up for you. And let's, let's go to, let's attack, uh, I'm not calling you a lizard, Rick, but uh, the lizard brain uh, part of this, which is... Uh, how likely are carpenter bees to sting, Heather? They don't. Oh, very, very unlikely. They, they, the males will buzz around a lot and probably scare most people, but it's now, very unlikely finger, to be. I put my finger carpenter. in one of the holes and uh, I touched the rear end of one of the bees. It was like touching, <laughs> that sounds like a personal issue. <laughs> I mean, it was like touching a, it was like touching a uh, cotton swab or something. There was nothing there, so. They they yeah. just buzz around and do damage, but they certainly don't harm anybody. Uh, or very very quickly, could he plug up the holes? Would that do any good? He or could, they... yeah, he could plug the holes with yeah. uh, you know some Caulk. steel wool or something that's going to deter them from continuing to excavate. So if you, yeah. especially now this this time of year in the spring, they're just starting the nest. So any kind of deterrent that you can do so they don't they don't further excavate cavities into your deck would be would be good. Okay. Um, and then they may they may move. They may take up shop somewhere else. I was uh, I was afraid of this, that there wasn't a solution because so far nobody in our neighborhood had figured it out. So. Well, it, it, it occurs to me maybe the solution yeah. is for you to uh, varnish your deck, and wouldn't that deter them, Heather? I, I honestly don't, I don't know. know. Uh, like I said, I have not heard a good recommendation of oh, okay. cars. What would be a good deterrent? I would have thought chemically treated wood would have done something. Yeah. Have well, yeah, one would think, but they yeah. um, they they seem to really like decking materials. There I you go. You yeah. Gonna, well, Mark, we, you, we can also look into this, Mark, and maybe cover it on another show. Yeah, that but, sounds good. And, I thought you were going to suggest move. <laughs> you know, uh, actually, uh, no, because I like bees, and I and I think you should learn to commune with them. I think you should learn to coexist. Well, so far, that's what we're doing. Okay, and and I apologize. I called you Rick before, and you're, it's actually Mark. So, right. uh, but but Thanks. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for calling. I'm I'll glad enjoy, you're listening. I enjoy your show. Thank, Thank you. Thanks. Have a good one. Yep. Bye now. All right. Uh, let's. We've just got a few minutes here, uh, Heather. And again, folks, let me just emphasize how good a book this is. You know, we can go, we can do a half hour little conversation here, and you do not get a sense of this book unless you pick one up. And she's got on the website, which I've got a link to at mikenovak.net, uh, you can go online and she's got sample pages of the book so you get to see the whole thing. Doug Tallamy recommends this book, who uh, uh, wrote Bringing Nature Home. He's an icon in America right now. Uh, so uh, if it's Doug Tallamy mm-hmm. recommended, 
uh, it's worth it. And something really cool, um, B-Lab says that you're donating a dollar for every book to the right, Wild yeah, Bee Squad. The, uh, yep, the, for every book sold, uh, we're, we're donating a dollar to the University of Minnesota B-Lab for research. All right, well, let's get into what homeowners can do to make their yards bee-friendly right now. Yeah, well, I think we, we just touched on one thing with the last caller is, is pesticides. And uh, besides trying to figure out what to do with large carpenter bees, um, just the you know, people really need to stop using pesticides, you know, prophylactically just for maintenance purposes. And in in most residential landscapes, there really is no need to have to, to use pesticides, and can, in particular insecticides. Yeah. Can I stop you right there? Because I, yeah. I read that in your book. And I just want to give you uh, an amen and a hallelujah. And a ding. And a ding. Uh, <laughs> because I've been telling people that for a while now, that... Really, if you're a homeowner and, you know, unless your yard, I don't even know the size of your yard. Most, let's say 98% of the homeowners have no need for pesticides ever, ever. And I, right. and, and then it's good to see somebody else say that out loud in print uh, because we, as you say, folks use them prophylactically and they use them on knee jerk because they saw it on TV and, and the big chemical companies have a lot of money and they throw it out there and they throw this stuff out there and their solution is always spray something. Um, and that's killing our bees. I mean, you know, you write in the book about the rusty patched bumblebee, which has virtually disappeared from North America. We can't find it anymore. Um, and it used to be everywhere. It was ubiquitous. Uh, and now, is it pesticides? Well, it's probably a contributing factor. We don't have all the answers. As you say, there's insects, there, there are diseases and parasites and all kinds of things going on here. But the pesticide use, we know we can control in our own backyard, so there's no reason for you to be using that stuff. So I thought I would get on my soapbox for a second there, Heather. <laughs> no, uh, that, no, you're exactly right. It's about control, right? And that's something we, as an individual, have complete control over that, you know, just Stopping the use of pesticides is, is really critical. Um, and then the other thing, of course, is flowering plants. That's what I'm on my soapbox about all the time is the first thing that people need to do is plant more flowering plants. All right. And, give it, and, and you like natives, and natives like bees. And so g- give me an example in the spring what bees are, are looking for in terms of spring flowering natives. Yeah, so for spring, uh, and this is often overlooked, but you gotta you have to look up to look for bees. So bees are visiting trees and shrubs for the most part in spring, unless you have a shady woodland uh, scenario, which most people in urban landscapes don't. Uh, things like red maple, the willows, uh, the flowering shrubs such as dogwood, viburnum, all of those are critical in spring. And I mentioned at the beginning of the show that we need to have something in flower continuously throughout the growing season. So trees and shrubs can really fill that flowering phenology in, in the spring. And then later in the summer is when you want to consider having a, a large diversity of perennials. Right. Fall, fall is really critical as well. So I'll mention uh, goldenrods and asters. Yep. If everybody had one or two kinds of goldenrods and asters in their garden, uh, bees would be very happy. The problem is, if you got shade, it's hard to have goldenrods and asters. Well, there are goldenrods and asters for shade. So yeah, I, have, I, I know yeah, there's asters, some asters. Yeah. yeah, I've got wood aster in my my front yard. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, 
there there are solutions. There is. A, I always say there's a goldenrod and aster for every situation, every soil, every <laughs> you know, whether it's shady or sunny. Uh, you just have to look a little harder, but there is something. Well, uh, I I hope we get a chance to talk again, Heather. This and again, I cannot recommend this book highly enough. All right, uh, and I hope uh, folks will go out and grab a copy. You can go to my website to do it, but uh, if they don't go to MikeNovak.net, Heather, where else should they go to pick up the book? Uh, they can visit my author website. It's PollinatorsNativePlants.com, and they'll find also other information there too. Poll- Plant lists and all sorts of to download for free. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, go out and enjoy this beautiful Sunday. Happy Mother's Day to you, Heather. And uh, I don't know if uh, that's warranted, but we'll talk to you soon. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Stick around. More to come. This is Mike Novak, tree keeper number 417. Registration is now open for Openland's Tree Keepers Summer Course. Tree Keepers are a network of trained volunteers who take an active role in caring for trees around the Chicago area. The eight-day certification course will be held in Oak Park at the Austin Gardens Environmental Learning Center on Tuesday and Thursday evenings beginning June 1st. To learn more and to register, visit openlands.org slash treekeepers. Hey, this is Peggy. When I speak at local events, people often ask me, aren't you the Peggy in Natural Awakenings ads? And that makes me happy because it reminds me that Chicagoans want to lead healthier lives. And Natural Awakenings magazine helps them do just that. Natural Awakenings is the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. Each month, we bring you the latest information about health and wellness, complementary medicine, fitness and exercise, raising healthy kids, and even keeping your pets healthy. You'll find articles about healthy homes, too, including gardening, energy efficiency, and green living. And if you love good food, you'll always find tasty recipes and healthy cooking hints. Check out our monthly calendar. It's full of events to keep you connected. Natural Awakenings is available in more than 1,100 locations throughout the city, as well as suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. And it's free. Or visit us at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. One of Evanston's best parties of the year is just around the corner, the 2017 Evanston Green Ball. It supports the Evanston Ecology Center and features great local food and beverages, live music, and an environmental art show. The Green Ball is on Saturday, May 20th from 7 to 10.30 p.m. at the Levy Center, 300 Dodge Avenue in Evanston. Go to evanstonenvironment.org for more information and to buy your tickets. See you at the Green Ball. Your talk. This is your talk. Only on 1590. Your talk. WCGO Evanston, Chicago. You belong among the wildflowers. You belong in a boat out at sea. You belong with your love on your own. You belong somewhere. I was going to play some other Tom Petty, but uh, <laughs> this seems more appropriate for Sunday morning and what we're talking about here on the Mike Novak Show. Wildflowers, get some out there and help your bees. And I think somebody who uh, would agree with that is a guy who's on the phone right now, and his name is uh, Brett Bloom. Brett, good morning. Good morning. 
Uh, Brett is an event organizer, collaborates with others on something called Breakdown, Breakdown. See, the break, break down, break. See, if you do it on the radio, it's hard. If you do it in print, you can actually see what's going on. Uh, breakdown, first breakdown is one word, and then the second breakdown is two words, and they are camps, workshops, and schools. Uh, and it's connected to ecology, it's connected to our world, it's connected to our disconnect from our world. Could you explain what a breakdown, breakdown camp is, Brett? Yes, absolutely, and thanks for that uh, radio-induced reflection of how to say that. It's perfect. I will use that again in the future. (laughs) Okay, sure. So a breakdown, the U.K.-based journalist George Bombiot, who's also an author and environmentalist, implores people to stop talking about climate change because the climate is always changing. He says it's quite confusing. He says what we should be talking about instead is breakdown in, in our systems, breakdown in climate systems, so we can talk about it with a little bit more of an edge. So breakdown, breakdown is essentially a way to look at what is happening, to look at a, a range of breakdowns that we're encountering, how they make us feel, how we can address them. And so the breakdown is important to pick it apart, to look at a variety of things, how we relate to natural spaces we're in, how we relate to city spaces, how we relate to the history of apocalyptic thinking in the United States. A variety of things get considered in a camp when somebody comes and spends a few days with us, immersing themselves into whatever theme we've chosen for the camp. That makes sense. Now I get it. So we're breaking down the idea of how Americans are in kind of a breakdown mode. Um, and how do, how do we fix it? So the idea, I guess, here is for folks to reconstruct in some ways. And and the best way to do that, I guess, is to get in tune with nature, right? It in part is about getting in tune with nature. I mean, any one of us can go out to a nature preserve, go out on Lake Michigan, go wherever, and find that connection pretty quickly. This is about practicing a post-oil sense of self and culture, mm-hmm. something that is a little bit beyond just that, that natural healing that one gets going out into a non-industrialized space. Mm-hmm. So this is about reflecting on deep time that we hold within our body, within our within our brain, with our capacity to perceive the world, things that humans evolved with for, for a very long period of time. And it wasn't until recently that we constructed spaces and culture and ways of being in the world that disconnected us from those things. Each one of us holds this inside of us. It doesn't take a religion. It doesn't take anything or belief it doesn't take anything to just pull some very simple ways of reflecting and relating to the world and it's we find it quite effective to go out into a place like nancy clem's pachamanca which is 55 acre conservation site to do this in it's less distracting but we've done camps in the middle of london and Mm -hmm. i mean there's quite a challenge to not be distracted in that place but you can do it anywhere you are it just takes some practice it takes conversations it takes getting to a place where you're open to thinking about what does it mean to think the world through uh relationships of oil that are present in every aspect of our lives how does that how does that even shape our sense of future and our way of thinking out how we get out of the situation we're in if we can and how we build the social structures that will produce that that are civil that take care of people, that take care of the landscape, that are very different than 
the culture we're sitting within right now. Right. So, Brett, you're talking about the upcoming camp at Pachamanca out in uh, uh, Freeport at Nancy's uh, farm. It's June 8th yeah. through June 12th, and we do have the link up on the website. And and I ain't going to work no more on Nancy's farm. <laughs> just, uh, just, uh, just putting that in okay, there. Okay, he gets the ding. Thank you. Um, <laughs> one of the interesting things that I read on your website, but also in Kathleen um, Rude's email that she sent out to get people to come to the event uh, is just something that we don't necessarily think about. We see all the outward signs of, of climate change, climate variability, some of the social systems that could be falling down, political unrest, refugees. But she brings up the point of our internal traumas, that a lot of people just, there's unease, you know, there's despair, there's hopelessness, helplessness as well. And it's kind of interesting that you're addressing that inner need, as opposed to, well, don't just feel totally helpless. We can, you know, reconnect. Exactly. And Kathleen trained within a tradition called the work that reconnects that comes out of a group of people in the 1980s, very inspired by deep ecology and this profound sense of urgency to provide a healing culture. The exercises that Kathleen will be facilitating, and she will be one of the main frameworks for thinking about the camp and how we deal with what we're feeling, the anger we might have, the feelings of hopelessness, so that we can't, we can't fix things, that it's out of our control, everything seems like it might be going into total chaos. How do we confront that? How do we turn that into what they call, what she calls it, active hope, something that gives us the energy to deal with the traumas that are happening all around us, the polar ice caps melting, the disappearance of glaciers in Glacier National Park, and, and an infinity of other things that we're bombarded with constantly. How do we how do we talk about that amongst each other? In American culture, we don't often mm-hmm. get together and talk about our emotions. So it's very important to kind of make a space while you're sitting, listening to natural sounds and connecting to the earth. Like, how do you uh, then talk about these larger these larger pressures and let go of some of it? So the work that reconnects and the, the work that Kathleen does really gears you up to feeling like you're safe and you can do that, you can share it. And, it, and I've been through one of her day-long sessions, and I have to say it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. Hmm. And it was with complete strangers, but it was such a relief and to know that other people needed this too. Well, I, I guess, that, we, yeah. yeah, well, I'm just going to say that is a, re, uh, a relief to know that there are others out there. Being alone is one of the greatest burdens we have. Yeah, absolutely. Or seeing that it's a, that it's a problem that can that either we alone can't do anything about, or that one person or one culture is going to fix, and it really is going to take a planet of people talking to each other to figure this out. What's going to work in Chicago is going to be different mm-hmm. than what's going to work where I'm sitting in northeast rural Illinois, or what's going to happen in Bangladesh. Extremely different pressures affecting us all, but they're interrelated. And how do you bring that consciousness? Yeah. To to so many people. I mean, that's way beyond my capacity to scale. <laughs> well, I got started a much smaller place. Yeah. Quick question for you. So, for someone who has never been to a retreat like this, or experienced being with a shaman or a deep listener, or even looked at permaculture, is this approachable? It is because we we have a lot of group discussions. We invite people to join things. There's no pressure for them to come into an exercise to take a walk with us to do some of the conservation work uh, on, on Pachamanco's land. So there's an incredible um, amount of care given to making people feel safe, welcome, 
and the fact that nobody's an expert in this. Uh, there's no no one's an expert in uh, global climate uh, breakdown. Like who who is who, who can hold that in their head? Like I don't know. Yeah. So we have to we we need the creativity and the humanity and the empathy of all people. I mean that sounds really utopian and out there. We're much more practical about how we go about that, and it's like greeting who comes to this place and dealing with them on an individual basis and seeing if we can make a language, uh, a discussion, and some way forward with each other. Okay. Certainly, oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead. I'm just going to say we're out of time. But uh, oh. if folks want to know more about this, uh, they can go to my website, MikeNovak.net. All the links are there. Or go to BreakdownBreakdown.net. See, there we go again. BreakdownBreakdown.net slash Pachamanka. And uh, you'll have more information. Brett, thank you so much for stopping by. And I hope you're very successful with this. Thanks, Brett. Captain's Log, Stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Worf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe? Author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com. How many times can I say it? Welcome to the second hour of The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at 847-475-1590. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Whenever my head starts to hurt Before it goes from bad to feeling worse I turn off my phone, I get down low And put my hands in the dirt I try to stop what? the world from Turn off the so phone? Fast. Are you crazy? You mean I don't take that out in the garden? Yeah, really. You have I, it with you. So actually, I found gardening gloves with where you can it's got the touch screen. No. On the gloves. I, I, Meaning so you put so, the phone under the glove? No, no, no. no, no. Uh, so it's got the thingy on the gloves so that I can use the phone with my gardening gloves. Huh. Okay. Just what I don't need. <laughs> <laughs> okay, poke. Welcome back. Second hour of the Mike Novak Show. Uh, you need to get Jim uh, Kleinwachter on the line there, uh, uh, Ben, but uh, that's okay because in studio uh, we have Val Kehoe from University of Illinois Extension, Cook County. Uh, hi, Val. Hello. Hi, hi. It's good to have you here. And, um, and, and, and until we get uh, Jim on the show, uh, we will chat a little bit because we mentioned at the top of the show that the... Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards are coming to Chicago, and Val has been a huge part of that. She gets a ding. You, I'm going to give her another one. It's been pretty collaborative. It has Very. been. Uh, Illinois Extension is one of the partners. The Mike Novak Show is one of the partners. Uh, Natural Awakenings Chicago Magazine 
and uh, Shedd Aquarium and Chicago Community Gardeners Association. We're all we've all sort of collaborated to say, you know what? We need to give away awards to people for gardening in Chicago because if you talk, you want to talk about something that builds community. It is gardening, and Definitely. folks are looking for solutions to violence. And I'm not saying that the shootings are all going to stop because people are gardening, but it doesn't hurt, and it brings communities together. And I think it's been a void in uh, the city of Chicago for for now six years. And so we said, let's do it. We're doing. We're going to bring them back. And so we just launched the uh, the initiative. You can go to Facebook and see Chicago Excellence in Community Gardening. You can go to uh, Illinois Extension site. What's the website for that that they can go to? Uh, just go to our Chicago. Um... I've got I've got it here. If you good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah our Chicago um, Cook County website, and um, it should come right up. It's uh, a registration page, so you can uh, register as a um, register your garden, um, single family, uh, multi unit, um, school. Yeah, you just, and just community just, acknowledgments. Just go to web.extension.illinois.edu. Actually, look up you know Cook County Extension slash Cook. Yeah, because uh, there's too many dot slashes and cooks and things in there. But and on the right side, if you and, and actually at the top of the page, uh, they've got the scrolling. You'll see the logo for the Chicago Excellence in Community Gardening up there. And then if you scroll down the right side, it says Chicago Excellence Com- uh, in Gardening Awards, um, recognizing our beautiful and sustainable gardens. And you click on that, it takes you right to the uh, application. So if you live in the city of Chicago and you want to be part of this, we hope you will do that. Uh, and we're very excited about it. It's going to be a lot of work, but we're very excited. Uh, very briefly, we're going to be breaking soon, but let's bring in Jim Kleinwachter. Jim, are you with us? How are you? Uh, great. It's good to talk to you again. Uh, he is uh, the program director for Conservation at Home and Conservation at Work as part of the Conservation Foundation, which is... Um, Based out, well, you've got, you're actually based in Will, right, Will County? I cover Will, Kane, Kendall, and DePage. Right, you got like four four counties that are the core of, of what you do. Uh, and um, we're very excited, and that's the reason we have um, Val in the studio and you on the phone today is because you... In 2004, you launched, and we talked about this, I believe, way back when I was at Gargantua Radio uh, on the dial, and um, uh, we talked about the Conservation at Home program, which has been a huge success by any stretch of the imagination, hasn't it, Jim? It has, and we're expanding now into these other counties to make it a regional program. Yeah, including Cook County. Cook County, which is huge, five <laughs> yeah. million people. So. <laughs> yeah, <I'll laughs> that's, well, that's got to be like the uh, uh, you, you you struck the gold mine there, Jim. If you can get uh, the folks <laughs> in Cook County uh, involved in this, that's something, isn't it? It is, and it's simple things. So whenever I'm out talking to people, you know, it's nothing that I say to them makes them roll their eyes or say this can't be done. So it's it's simple things. Anyone can do it, and. Um, it's caught on like wildfire. <laughs> uh, I love the idea that say can't be done. Yeah, yes. you know, it's like we can't save the bees, we can't save, the, we can't fix the climate, we can't do any of. This. I mean, and that's, yet it's happening. And yet, yeah. yeah, and that people are doing it. They are getting out in their backyards and doing it. Yes, small, yeah, small steps may really make a difference. 
Uh, they do, especially if everybody is taking right. a small step together. And how many uh, participants do you have now in conservation at home, Jim? We've certified over 2,000 across the region. Nice. That's great. So it's catching on. And, and right now, the, one of the biggest things we have to keep reminding everybody, the monarchs are on their way here. So they're in Texas and Louisiana, and they're coming here. And we've changed the landscape so that it's not hospitable for them when they arrive. Yeah, because we... There's a lot of reasons for that, and we've we wiped out milkweed in our farms, and we, we, we call it a weed, and so people try to eradicate it. I know that there's some efforts in some uh, municipalities to uh, remove that title of weed from milkweed, and I love that idea. You know, don't classify it as a noxious weed. Anyway, we'll get back to Jim Kleinwachter and Val Kehoe. We're talking about conservation at home now. In Cook County on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Give us a call, 847-475-1590. We'll be right back. Your family and pets spend a lot of time in public parks, schoolyards, and on your own lawn. And you want those grounds to be not only beautiful, but safe. Logic Lawn Care is an Evanston company with a decade of experience successfully creating beautiful lawns naturally. Logic works with homeowners on the North Shore and also with schools, park districts, and cities across Chicagoland to manage large turf areas naturally. Get a free estimate. Go to LogicLawnCare.com or call 847-421-6500. Do you remember when you were a kid and monarchs and other butterflies were everywhere? When's the last time you even saw a monarch? It's time to get back to nature and enjoy its elegance. Natural Communities Native Plants can help. Get rid of those pesticides and plant a wildflower sanctuary in your own backyard. Sit back and watch the birds and bees and, yes, monarchs. Established native plants require less maintenance, no watering, and fertilizers. Necessary and beautiful, they are a lazy gardener's dream. What's not to like? Natural Communities has more than 200 species of hard-to-find true native flowers, grasses, shrubs, trees, and seed. They can please everyone, from the nerdiest native plant geek to the novice. They even have native garden kits for beginners. And until May 31st, mention the Mike Novak Show and get 10% off any plant purchase. Get back to nature. Go to naturalcommunities.net. That's naturalcommunities.net. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? That's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair care products available to make sure you get exceptional color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins ordinarily found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots offers non-toxic, vegan-friendly nail services. They've also just introduced a complete menu of natural hair care services for textured hair of all lengths. And how many salons do you think repurpose hair clippings recycled product containers, and use LED lighting. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. This is your talk. You want to just put in hashtags in any of your social media. Hashtag 1590WCGO. Evanston, Chicago. I'll get it. 
Everybody does. You broke my heart. You took it, darling. And you tore it apart. You left me it's the Mike Novak Show on 1590 WCGO, Chicago Smart Talk. We're very pleased to have uh, Val Kehoe from Illinois Extension here in the studio. Jim Kleinwachter, he is Mr. Conservation at home. <laughs> and uh, off air, we were talking about what that... Uh, and, and before we, we move forward, uh, we mentioned before the break that it's coming to uh, uh, Cook County. And you have a partner with that, right, Val? Uh, definitely. Um, this is um, conservation at home we could not do alone. Um, it is being coordinated, and it is in partnership with um, the Forest Preserve of Cook County. Um, and um, Extension has trained our master gardeners and master naturalists. Mm-hmm. There's about 70 on board throughout Cook County yeah. who are um, volunteers, and they are um, volunteer um, evaluators that will be going out to the yards to um certify um these home um, recognizing folks that um have these conservation um practices in place so we have a partner there and um it is uh cook county forest reserves of cook county let's talk about what this means because uh the conversation off air was pretty funny about uh how people get involved in conservation at home and jim you're you're the guy who says just plant good stuff all right just put the, you know who needs who needs official certification just get out there and do it and and it's kind of funny because on your website you actually talk about this being a pyramid scheme um and a, and, and i love that and i love that i used that i ran with that on my blog because it's the best pyramid scheme ever because who cashes in the earth which is your environment cashes in finally on this. And I love the idea that it starts with one person, then your neighbors get involved, then then the block, and then the city, and then the state. And it just that's the pyramid scheme if it all goes well. Right, Jim? Exactly. And it's, it isn't difficult. And people, people take in the right direction. So I'm always telling people, you know, it's not a something you get to some achievement. Like everything else in life, you know, we're on a scale. We're changing Every day, we're getting better. So it's basically saying, I'm trying to do something better. So you don't have to be perfect. Okay, but let's get specific here. What, what, what are you telling people that they should do in their yards to become part of the conservation at-home effort? Well, one of the things, we educate a lot of people about native plants, that they are the ones that are sustainable and they're functioning plants in this environment here. So the native Illinois plants... Uh, feed the birds and feed the butterflies and are absorbing water, doing all these good things. So we need a functional landscape. We've gotten away from it. We've got all these Japanese this and European that, and we've gone decorative in our <laughs> and yard. And ewes. We've got ewes all over the place. There's some yeah. growing right outside of this oh, radio yeah. station. You see here. them from here. Yeah, and they're well-trimmed. and they Well, the robins like them. They're but... very neat, but uh, they're not providing <laughs> a lot of sustenance for our native uh, fauna, are they? So that's what we're trying to do is encourage the native stuff or a component of native. And the, the catch for people is it's going to be better for us. So it's going to help us with water issues in our yard. It's going to bring diverse birds and butterflies into our yards and make our lives better. So I'm a salesman. I'm a marketing guy. <laughs> and I'm always looking at what's in it for me. Why, why would I do this? And the answer is it's going to make my life better. It's going to make my grandkids see these beautiful, colorful birds. 
going to bring butterflies to my yard. It's going to absorb, help me absorb this water that's pouring and puddling in my yard. And and if it is, there are plants for that too. Yes. I mean, that's that's the idea is that there's a plant for every situation, whether it's a dry shade or wet sun or wet shade or whatever, you can find a native because they have evolved like mm-hmm. that over millennia. Uh, you just need to find the ones. And, and you know, sometimes, I guess if you listen to the show, it, it will sound like I'm bashing plants that aren't native. I don't necessarily bash plants that aren't native. I think if you want to grow a hybrid rose, knock yourself out. If you want to put a peony in your yard, they're beautiful. Love that stuff. Um, but we've gotten too far. We got too far at some point. We got too far into that. It was and and. Unfortunately, the horticultural industry bears a lot of this, uh, the brunt of this, because they are the ones who are like pushing the latest and greatest, as you mentioned, the latest uh, Asian this, European this, mm-hmm. um, because uh, they didn't have enough respect for the plants that are here now. And so we went down this cul-de-sac and we're kind of stuck and we got to get out of it because we are losing biomass, we're losing insect biomass, we're losing our critters that depend on these plants. So now let's just course adjust a little bit, Val. Right, so I think we can just start incorporating um, some of our native plants into our landscape that we have. Um, some some of the peonies or hostas, you know, they, they might be um, part of your culture or something that you grew sure. up, something in your grandmother's, you know, backyard that you had to, you mm-hmm. know, that you have a, a connection to. But you could always say, you know, grandma had bad taste in plants. What but, can we say? But you can also incorporate some of our uh, purple cone flowers or um, rutabaga. Who doesn't yes. like a purple cone exactly. flower? Who they doesn't like an smile. aster? Yeah. Right. <laughs> What's, uh, you know, I, I guess I would look at it like the 80-20 rule. Have the couple ornamentals. Right. But then strive to make everything else... And definitely um, reducing some of our turf grass. Turf grass mm-hmm. is a um, in Illinois, you know, that is a four times of um, four times the amount of irrigation goes to um, mm-hmm. um, watering um, right, right. our our turf, and um, it just we just have too much of it. Yeah. So reducing some of turf um, and incorporating our native plants that have the root systems that can absorb those uh water is just and clean the water is so important so tell us a little bit about okay and and i will make this transition into cook county but the successes out in the counties that you've mentioned so far dupage kane kendall will um there's a lot of open area in some of those but not so much dupage although you mentioned on the website yes there really is open area in dupage (laughs) yeah uh there still is but uh what are what are some of the stories you get back from people, Jim, and the successes that you've had out in those areas? Well, the one, this husband and wife called me and they said, you know, we've got this land, we don't know what it is. It was a kind of a, a perfect scenario. So I went over there, showed them what buckthorn looked like and honeysuckle in their woodlands. And uh, it took them a year and a half. And then they called me back and said, we're done. And I went back <laughs> out there again and saw it had to be, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hours of clearing in these woodland areas. And I, I suggested the next thing is to put up some bluebird houses. And she said, Jim, I've been here for 17 years. There's no bluebirds. And I said, you never know. You now have a savanna that you never had before. And almost on cue, here comes this bluebird. Flies right past <laughs> Give that bluebird a ding. 
<laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there, there's been these successes where people have done it and they love it. And so um, you build from that. I use those as my case studies. That's great. That's a great story. Uh, so here we go into Cook County. And I live in Cook County. I live in uh, Logan Square. And, you know, I'm I'm not ready yet to apply, although I've got a lot of natives in my backyard, but I also have a lot of non-natives, and I'm making the transition. Try And, and sometimes it's hard to get rid of the non-natives. Um, for instance, I love daffodils, and they're all over the place. Um and but uh, you know Peggy's helped me out. I've I've got this crop this year. Interesting, this crop of May apple that I put like three in a couple Beautiful. of a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, and now I've got fifteen, and it's just <laughs> they're going nuts. Uh, I love that stuff. And now you've got some mm-hmm. jack in the pulpits, too. and, I, and yeah. I got some jack in the pulpits. I'm going to put in. I've got trillium that uh, that uh, Peggy gave me. I have monarda. I have a lot of sedges. You said you um, had the asters. So got- you can get certified, Mike. The story is we're never done, we're never perfect, and that's a good story to tell. Mm-hmm. You know, so some neighbor says, well, what about all those daffodils? You can say, you know what, they're not hurting anything, they're not causing environmental damage, they're not an invasive species, and so I have a few of those, and I'm working on them or something. So that's part of the story is that anybody can do this if, if you want to try. Well, I, what I was leading to is that here I am um, surrounded by other buildings in the middle of the city. And I mean, I'm smack dab in the middle of the city. So there's not as much open space as you have out in some of the collar counties. Uh, but you can still have and I and I know there are larger uh, plots in the city of Chicago and in Cook County. Um, but a lot of Cook County is city. Um, but you can still have the same effect with a, a small plot? It's cumulative. So, like Val said, after, what, 5 million people or something, and there's a lot of properties, and cumulatively we're doing one at a time and changing the face of the landscape. So, you know, we've I've created this meadow mix as a turf replacement. So if it's large sites and I'm working with corporate sites, you can do this on anything. And, uh, Shed Aquarium, for example, is a good example of they've, on native around the outside and yeah. yeah this can be done anywhere my buddy uh, christine nye over at oh, yeah. the uh, yeah. shed aquarium mm-hmm. she's wonderful and she's actually part of this the uh the chicago excellence in, in gardening awards uh so uh we're very happy to have the shed aquarium on board with that too so um val how would you you've got like a checklist of things that people should uh uh, pay attention to in their yards, uh, and I think this will give people an idea of how simple or not simple, depending on their <laughs> point of view, it is. Uh, it, what have you got? I think one leads to the other, and um, it is simple. Um, vegetation on site, again, what we were talking about with the natives. Um, once you start incorporating natives to your property, um, and any size property, any the basic Chicago plot is, what, 25 by 125? Right. It does make a difference, okay? Um, you probably won't have the water in your basement if you're incorporating natives around your property line. Hmm. Um, well, I, or I, if you're planting trees and shrubs in your parkways, you may not have to um, have um, the potholes that maybe would com- accompany from um, the rain pounding down on mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you do start having some native plants, I kind of digress um, <laughs> easily. That's okay. Um, you're going to start seeing the wildlife coming back to the yard, okay? The bluebirds. 
um, with a um, a bird home or some bird baths or just um, simple practice of turning over a wine bottle in your backyard gives a little um, waiting area for butterflies, and and it looks nice. Wait, wait, wait. What you do you mean? Over, so you know the little dip in a. Uh, uh, a wine bottle. The underside. Yeah, the underside. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a, a little waiting area for butterflies. So you it's bury it up to that thing? Mm-hmm. I've never heard that. I've totally done that. I'm like or doing does it my work? border. Yeah, it yeah, does. Or, or a large rock that's got a, a yeah. concave area. Wow. In it. Yeah, okay, it's cool. real simple practice. And it's also uh, reusing. Um, Planting wine glass. bottles. That's right. <laughs> Why not? Well, and, and, and you'll get a crop of wine. This there you is go. Great. Maybe. This is good. Why not? Um, <laughs> but also, water management is a component of mm-hmm. um, of our criteria in Cook County. Um, we definitely want to make sure that you're utilizing rain barrels or having a rain garden wherever there's um, a runoff. Mm-hmm. And that's just trying to divert the water from going into our sewer systems. Yeah. And, and again, depending on your yard, there's sunny plants, there's shade plants, exactly. anything for a rain garden. Right. And on our extension website, you can definitely, we have plenty of lists that um, can direct you into and plant sales that are mm-hmm. coming up this spring. Um, there's one next weekend at the plant, I believe. Right, that, with our yeah. buddy Nick Fuller from exactly. uh, Native Communities. Right. There we go. There we go. Give Nick a day. <laughs> yeah, with, there's several others we'll he's be. He's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Too, he is yeah. a good guy, and he's he's spreading the gospel uh, exactly. just the way you and uh, Jim Kleinwachter are. Well, we only have a couple of minutes here. Okay. Um, and um, I uh, want to let folks know, first of all, that they can find all this information at MikeNovak.net, um, including links to Illinois Extension. And if you scroll down the right side, you can see Conservation at Home. You can also see Chicago Excellence and Gardening Awards. Uh, you can click on either one and, and, and apply to that. Um, so, Jim, what, what's, what's the next step here in this uh, Ponzi scheme? <laughs> well, I guess if nothing else, what, what we are telling people is you're not alone. There's a whole, there's 2,000 other people doing it. And it goes into Lake County, McHenry County, out to Rockford. You know, we, we cover the whole area. And there are expert people like Val's crew from the Illinois Extension Service that are very knowledgeable, and you can tap into that help. And you add on to that the Nick Fullers and the Christine Nyes and these other people that are doing it around the region. You're not alone. So we're not just advocating this and then good luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you will be supported. and Yes. Um, and love, yes. and you will be exactly. hu- hugged if you need. If you <laughs> Definitely. Need. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. we're part of a club, you know, that's going across the region, and people are trading plants, and they're having fun, and they're sharing, and they're, you know, it's, it's really no, a no, wonderful No, 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 this thing. is not fun. This is serious stuff. Right? <laughs> no sharing. Yes, right. Uh, thank you so much, Jim Kleinwachter from Conservation at Home, Val Kehoe from Illinois Extension. Again, go to my website, MikeNovak.net. All of the links are there, and you can be a part of this. And start, well, be part of the movement. Let's let's move this forward. Then we help our bees, we help our butterflies, all that good stuff. And, and you get good karma as well. All right. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Stick around. 847-475-1590 is our telephone number. Brian Imus from the U.S. Green Building Council coming up next. Is your couch killing you? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. 
Americans have much higher levels of flame retardants in their bodies than anyone else in the world. In fact, California children have some of the highest levels ever measured. Flame retardants are found in furniture, electronics, and even in baby products, and have been linked to cancer, birth defects, and other serious health issues. OMG, what's a green diva or dude to do? Furniture that does not contain polyurethane foam usually does not contain flame retardant chemicals. There are nonprofit organizations that have done the homework for us and have lists of flame retardant free furniture manufacturers. I'm Green Diva Meg, and you can find more low stress green living tips at thegreendivas.com. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contract. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Community Supported Agriculture, or CSA, creates a direct relationship between you and a local farmer who grows your food. You support a farmer financially up front, and your farmer provides you with local, sustainably raised food during the growing season. This could be a weekly box of vegetables, a monthly share of meat or eggs, and there are many other options. To find your farmer and the CSA that works best for you, go to bandoffarmers.org. Sign up for your CSA today. This is Sports Director Kevin Burgess. Make sure you catch my sports report every day from 5 to 7 p.m. on French and Friends, sponsored by 1090 Brewing. I don't remember where we were. <laughs> well, there went the music. <laughs> it was weird. I, le- I leaned against... <laughs> The uh, the CD player oh, because dear. it's at waist level. Wait a second here. Come on. I was just getting into the song. I know. And you killed it. There we go. <laughs> Let's try this. Take two. Coming down in three, two, one. I don't remember where we wild and young. All that's faded in the memory. I feel like somebody I don't know. Are we really? Oh gosh, that's just so sad. Okay, I'm now I'm depressed. We shouldn't have we shouldn't have actually played that. All right, let's go back. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. I, it's just so much fun bringing in all these different people here today. We just have uh, it's 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 a chock full of great information. Mm-hmm. This show today, and uh, in the studio right now is Brian Imus, who's the executive director of the Illinois chapter of the U.S. Green Building Council. Brian, good morning. Good morning. I'm glad you came down to the studio or came up. I'm not sure or sideways. Maybe you came sideways to the studio. I uh, came up from Edgewater. Thrilled to be here. Oh, okay. It's not that far. Away. That's my all. old stomping grounds. Yeah. I, I used to live at Clark and Foster, and then at uh, on Thorndale. So yeah, I was in that neighborhood for about eleven years. It's a great neighborhood. It is, but I couldn't afford it, so I <laughs> I had to move out. So I went to the the poor part of uh, Logan Square, and then what happens in Logan Square? That starts those property values start to go up too. It's just it's nutty. Maybe you're a trendsetter. Um, it it could very well be. I don't think. 
I am, but there you go. <laughs> uh, so what did you do before? In a, in a previous life, you and I communicated, I think, back when I was with the Chicago Recycling Coalition. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And you were... With... Uh, I, I was the director with the uh, Illinois Public Interest Research right. Group. IPERG. That's yes. right. That's okay. Right. Wow. Okay. So you, you come by this honestly. You sort of you go from doing good in one organization to doing good in another organization. Uh, what brought you to the U.S. What is it? GBDBD. U.S. GBC. Thank you. Perfect. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, my educational background is actually in urban planning and architecture, so I've always had an interest. Ah. Uh, but have a personal passion for the environment and for good sound policy that mm-hmm. improves people's lives. And so had this great experience working with IPERG, uh, doing lobbying and policy and running a nonprofit. And so when the job opened up at the Illinois Green Building Council, I got really excited. That's great. That's and I'm, I'm glad you were able to uh, to score that and, and bring to us well, you know, we have a mutual friend there, and that's Sandra Henry. That's right. Who I've known for a number of years now, and she's just fabulous. <laughs> she just, you know, she's, uh, and not just because she listens to the show, and I, I know she was listening today, but um, because of the work she does in in these areas. Uh, and she called my attention to uh, an event you guys are doing, which is Limelight, your annual gala and fundraising event. That's right. Which, uh, and as Peggy pointed out on the blog, is also the name of a Charlie Chaplin movie. One of my favorites. Uh, it's one of my favorites, too. I love I love the old Charlie Chaplin, uh, the, the Charlie Chaplin's, you know, start. I mean, I love any Charlie Chaplin. Okay, just... Let's let's start there. But as he got older and he went to the talkies and stuff, it was kind of interesting to, to watch his career. Um, not that I was around in the 40s, but uh, I'm just saying that I, I love those films. But uh, uh, but Limelight is, is your big deal for the year. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's happening. Yeah, so uh, every year we get together and throw a huge party uh, to celebrate achievements in green building and sustainability here in Illinois and uh, to raise money for all of the great work that we do to advocate a green building policy, to educate uh, the community about what they can do in their own homes. Uh, so um, that's where the money goes, and um, it's it's a great time to also just recognize and bring together uh, people who touch on a lot of different areas of green mm-hmm. building and get them together and network and a lot of fun. And yeah. You're at the Museum of Broadcast Communication. That's year. right. It's uh would love to have everyone join us. It's a lot of fun. It's May 18th uh, at 5 p.m. and it's at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. They have a great ballroom there up mm-hmm. on the on the 5th floor. I and I've been to actually one of the limelights. So it's uh, it, it really is fun. Uh but the important, you know, obviously you need to have a fundraiser and get people engaged because you have all this important work. That's to right. do, uh, including your 2016 to 2020 Epic Challenge strategic plan. That's right. Uh, it's really exciting. It's uh, a new focus for the organization where we're working to leverage our members, and our members are folks who touch mm-hmm. on the the, the built space uh, and working to leverage their expertise to impact every single neighborhood in Chicago with what are called carbon drawdown strategies and. You don't have to be a scientist to know what these are. These are just basic uh, uh, best practices like energy efficiency, green roofs, uh, retrofitting, um, uh, solar, all of that that uh, can make a huge difference in um, not just reducing carbon emissions – uh, but actually drawing carbon out of the environment, which is really, really important. Mm-hmm. 
Now, that stemmed off the work of Paul Hawken? That's right. So if folks know Paul Hawken, um, he's, he's been a thinker uh, and an author for a long time thinking about um, the tie between the environment and the economy. And uh, he got around the idea of carbon drawdown when he realized that, uh, you know, it's not good enough to just slow emissions or stabilize emissions of, of greenhouse gases. He likens it to just slowing Thelma and Louise off the cliff. We actually <laughs> need to stop them from going off the oh, cliff. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, so we're really excited about taking these best practices, these these 100 strategies or technologies um, that are really no regrets that mm-hmm. will that will reduce carbon emissions, and that people can do in their own homes and their own communities, uh, and make a huge difference. Well, one of the I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, I'm just going to say that one of the most successful uh, carbon reduction programs, it seems to me, in the city of Chicago, uh, has been retrofitting. That's right. Mm-hmm. That they, you know, I got I got issues with a lot of the environmental stuff that the the city does, but the one I don't take issue with is the retrofitting, which seems to have been very successful. Yeah, it's uh, a, a great program. There's a lot of effort to uh, retrofit a lot of large buildings. Um, for us, when we start thinking about all the work that we've done for the last 15 years as an organization, we've impacted big buildings. But what are we doing in neighborhoods? Right. And that's really what this new epic challenge is. Cool. What can people be doing in their own communities? And we want these carbon drawdown strategies to be things that don't just reduce greenhouse gas emissions, um, but they also strengthen the neighborhood. They have health outcomes. uh, They create jobs. They save people money. All of those are why you would want to implement these carbon drawdown strategies. So how does it get started? Is this at the architect level, at the homeowner level? It's at every single level. Um, The the plan involves doing... uh, a lot of education and reaching out into into communities and mm-hmm. telling people what they can do in their own homes. So, for example, insulate, uh, insulation. It starts. It starts. I mean, Ron Cogill keeps telling me that he he has the Mighty House program right here on WCGO, and he's a friend of mine. And I've been talking. You know, I've talked to him about solar, and I've talked to him about other things. And he said, first thing, yeah. insulate. Get yeah. that done, and we'll talk about everything else later. Yeah. Don't but, replace all your windows if the rest of the house is leaking. Yeah, sometimes it's insulation, LED lighting. They're not very sexy, yeah. um, but they can have a huge impact, and they can save you money. We're, we've just actually launched a program where our members, who are energy efficiency geeks, engineers, <laughs> architects, um, they're volunteering their time, and they're going out into their community as energy efficiency ambassadors and talking to people about how they can take advantage of utility programs in their own homes, how they can use consumer-facing products like Nest to mm-hmm. actually save money and be more energy efficient in their homes. And it's a carbon drawdown strategy, so it's mm-hmm. making a difference. So how are you measuring the success, though? Uh, that is the hard part, but that's where <laughs> that's where Paul Hawkins' uh, research around these carbon drawdown strategies is going to help us at the local level, know that we're quantifying an impact um, because all of these strategies um, have quantifiable analysis mm-hmm. on on if you do X, Y will result. And so we just need to scale it and get it into every single neighborhood. You know, one of the uh, strategies that, um, you know, Lisa Albrecht, I imagine, That's right. with the Solar Energy, Illinois Solar Energy Association uh, and Solar Inc., and give her a ding for that, um, and uh, she uh, has talked to me. Well, she's looked at my house and she said, you're not doing solar. I said, why not? 
She said, "You got you got too many issues. You got the, the the shape of the roof and trees and everything." And I'm and I can't tell you how upset I am by this. Of course, then I listen to Ron, and he says, "Don't think about solar until you <laughs> insulate." Yep. But one of the ideas that she's come up with that I think is just awesome is the idea of community solar, That's where, right. where mm-hmm. you find a lot in your area, someplace where you can put a lot of panels that everybody taps into it. Is there anything like that on the horizon? Uh, there are opportunities on the horizon, and that's where our work, we're not going to be able to do it on our own. The, the This epic challenge plan to be out in every, every neighborhood involves working with a lot of organizations that we've never worked with before, and we're really excited about finding ways to um, connect our energy efficiency professionals with um, community organizations, um, uh, schools, students, um, to find opportunities to do things like community solar and where, where those places can happen. Getting back to uh, we've only, we've got a couple of minutes here. Uh, getting back to your organization, it sounds to me from the name of a U.S. Green Building Council that it that mostly architects would gravitate to the organization. You're nodding. Uh, how do you how do you draw in other folks? Uh, well, so yeah, traditionally it has been uh, our members are architects or engineers or product manufacturers or landscape designers. Um, more and more, it's about developing programs that go out into neighborhoods and educate people, and that's drawing organizations to be a part of what we do. So, for example, we do a Green Apple Day of Service uh, program every single year where we um, match our members with schools and students and teachers where they actually get to do hands on, get their hands dirty and actually implement uh, a, a green infrastructure project um, in the classroom or mm-hmm. um, at the school. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's and, and that's where I think you've got to draw people mm-hmm. and and we ha- we have to do this somehow. Yeah. You know, we were talking earlier about native plants. Yeah, we got to do this, but we also have to look at our structures and figure out how we reduce the carbon. Yep. Uh, in our atmosphere with the very buildings we live in. And, you know, I look at mine, my barn of a house, and I'm still working on it. It's really tough. Yeah. It, it's it's not easy, yeah. especially mm-hmm. reaching out to the neighborhoods, as you mentioned. That's right. And at, at the Limelight event and fundraiser that you're mentioning, we're going to be featuring a couple of um, awards that look at uh, projects and people who are doing things in neighborhoods. Um, we've got a we've got a, um, a Benjamin Van Horn is a builder and he's actually uh, been focusing on building affordable green homes in neighborhoods like Woodlawn. Okay, Brian Imus, th- we just dipped our toe in the water here. I want you back, and we'll talk. Maybe we'll bring Sandra with you at some point, and we'll talk more about this. Uh, Limelight is is coming up. We hope you go to our website and find out more information about that. We'll be right back. Have you taken advantage of the Mike Novak Show special offer at the Sugar Beet Food Co-op in Oak Park? Yes, the Sugar Beet is a community-owned grocery store, but it's open to everyone, and it features local and organic products. Stop in, mention the Mike Novak Show, and you'll get $5 off any purchase of $15 or more. The Sugar Beet Food Co-op is at 812 Madison, just west of Oak Park Avenue, and online at sugarbeet.coop. That's sugarbeet.coop. Is pain keeping you from enjoying gardening? Dr. Bonnie Flaster at River North Wellness Center has gentle and effective techniques to get you out of pain and back to doing what you love. Here are two quick tips. First, remember to stretch. Second, use a timer to make sure you take breaks. Come see her at River North Wellness Center and find more tips at rivernorthwellness.com or call 312-642-7545 to make an appointment with Dr. Flaster and get back to feeling good. 
Chicagoans are looking for ways to get healthier in 2017. Hi, I'm Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach this growing wellness market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 monthly readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and taking action. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, integrative doctors and dentists, nutritionists, health and lifestyle coaches, yoga classes, green landscapers, even home improvement and energy efficiency experts. Our dedicated readers pick up their free copies each month from more than 1,100 locations throughout the city and suburbs because they know it's the best source for information about healthy, green living in Chicago. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more. That's 847-858-3697. And check us out at nachicago.com. Natural awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. This is your talk. And hey, this place is really something else, huh? Only on 1590 WCGO. Evanston, Chicago. never seen me drive with this song cranked. Oh, no. I bet that's terrifying. Uh, and, and, and and you sing, right, Laurie? Of course. Of course. So and pound the steering wheel. Oh, it's just too good. All right. Welcome back. This uh, We're in the home stretch here at the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And uh, we could leave this up and watch Peggy drive and sing. But, no, uh, but I've got some important, important announcement for our listeners. Wait, wait. Woo! Okay, just had to get that out there. All right. <laughs> and Val, I bet you didn't know the daughter of the president requests your presence at tea. I did hear that coming in today. Yeah, well, so she knows that. Yeah. Well, this is Alice Roosevelt, though. Awesome. Uh, and she beckons you to step back in time to 1905 at historic Fisher Farm in Bensonville on Saturday, June 3rd. The fire and witty first daughter tells tales of her father, Teddy, her rocky relationship with her stepmother, Edith, and her romantic alliance with future Speaker of the House, Woo-hoo! Nick Longworth. Nestled in 100 acres of Remnant Prairie, the Fisher Homestead has been beautifully restored, and it's just minutes away. So go to Fisher Farm on Facebook for more information. That's F-I-S-C-H-E-R Farm on Facebook. You know, it makes me realize that our definition of crazy in the White House used to be Teddy Roosevelt. (laughs) That was the standard, okay? Uh, We have... We're oh, another, how we fall in another galaxy now. <laughs> okay, uh, you got something coming up that you wanted to mention before we get to Val here. Yeah, there's this is the time of the plant sales, and some of the Earth festivals are still going on. And I wanted to mention one of the uh, things that's been going on for quite some time in Will County, and that's the fourth annual Blue Stem Stem Earth Festival next Saturday from 10 to 3 at the University of St. Francis in Joliet. And it's a project, actually, of the Joliet Franciscan Sisters and their associates. But it's free. They've got over 80 eco-conscious exhibitors and vendors. There's live demos. There's music. There's foods. There's a wellness corner. There's free 45-minute classes on food, energy, composting, water usage. So all sorts of really cool things are happening there. Um, And that's the Blue Stem Earth Festival. And I just realized that, unfortunately, they did not give me a link to that. So I will find that, and I'll get it up there. But you can also pick up copies of Natural Awakenings magazine there. Uh, And and while we're talking about uh, festivals and sales, uh, we've got the plant 
Native Plant Sale at Plant Chicago next week on Saturday, uh, May 20th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. We mention it now because we'll be on the air at 10. Uh, Of course, we can encourage people to drive out then, too. But uh, uh, Plant Chicago is teaming up with uh, Natural Communities Native Plants, a fine sponsor. (laughs) <laughs> on the Mike Novak Show, and Nick Fuller will be out there. It's their first native plant sale fundraiser. There's nearly 200 species native to the Chicago region now. He did have a pre-order, or you had to order in advance to, to get everything you wanted, mm-hmm. uh, but he will have plants on sale there, so you can see what's left uh, among flowers, grasses, sedges, ferns, shrubs, and trees. All proceeds support Plant Chicago's Education Farmer's Market and technology demonstration programming. And, of course, they are, let me find the, scroll down to the address to make sure, because it's on the south side, it's 46th, it's um, 1400 West. That's a six. 46th. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's like 46th, isn't it? Yeah, it is 46th. I, was, I couldn't read it from here, okay? Uh, uh, I was looking at my computer screen, <laughs> I went, I can't see, but because it was right at the bottom of that. But yeah, 1400 West 46th Street, uh, back of the yards, uh, 10 to 2 next Saturday. All right. And the Blue Stem Earth, Earth Festival is bluestemearthfestival.com. Sounds good to me. All right, we've got uh, Val Kehoe from uh, Illinois Extension back in the studio. Uh, we dragged her back in here because she, <laughs> she couldn't find her way out of the out of the building. Uh, you know, it's tricky. <laughs> it's, it's Evanston. You know, yes, it's yeah. just like look oh, for the U's and turn left. Yeah, yep, but, there you go. But you know, we wanted to hammer a little bit today about the the gardening awards, Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards which are coming to Chicago right now. We've opened up uh, the competition. Uh, anybody who's a gardener in Chicago can go to the uh, Extension website, which you can link to uh, from my website. Uh, actually, we need to... Kathleen, if you're listening, we need to put the logo up on the homepage plus the link on it. It's like we're putting all this together right now. It's happening right now. Uh, but you can go to the Facebook page. And, and, and I want more likes on there, folks. I'm not seeing enough likes on Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. We need likes, and you need to share it, and we need to get the word out and uh, tell people about this so that they participate because we're bringing excellence in gardening back to Chicago. Exciting adventure. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and I want to thank uh, Illinois Extension because you guys... I came up with the idea, okay, because I, I've been thinking about this for a couple of years. So I give you a ding. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and uh, But I, I can't do it myself. There's there's no money in this organization. There's I, I, And there's me and you, Peggy, and that's it. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, our heads would explode. So uh, Illinois Extension just said immediately, yeah, Ron Wolford was, is just great. He said, yeah, let's do this. And I went to Christine Knight at the Shed Aquarium. She said, yeah, let's do this. And... Uh, Julie Samuels from Chicago Community Gardeners Association. Of course, Peggy um, has to because uh, I will not speak to her for weeks <laughs> if if she doesn't drag natural awakenings into this. So, but extension's great because you guys have some of the resources you've got. You you got real offices, okay? For one thing, it's not like somebody's and a full time administrative small, person yes, yes. who's wonderful, Veronica. Um, she's been very mm-hmm. dedicated with all the edits. She, and- <laughs> uh, there are so many emails going back and forth. Ay, ay, ay. Yes. Uh, but, uh, but we're also looking for people to get involved as sponsors. And we have wonderful uh, master yes. gardeners who are in the community who are uh, mm-hmm. will be 
um, who are working in um, different garden clubs, um, yeah. different um, yeah. gardens throughout the yeah, we're lo- we're, lo- we're looking for participants. We're looking for judges uh, because you need judges out there. And a lot of the master gardeners are stepping up. And if you're a master gardener, you don't have to live in Chicago. Come on in. Take a look at some <laughs> gardens. Uh, but to enter, you do have to live mm-hmm. in Chicago. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, and as Peggy said, we're looking for sponsors. You know, if you're a business and you think this is a worthy venture, and it is, and the money will all go right into the award ceremony, uh, and the awards themselves, uh, and as I mentioned earlier in the program, this is a way to bring communities together. If you've ever worked in the community garden, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, folks come out of their little cubby holes, and they, right. they, were, they were. It's true. I mean, when we started my community garden, and we and mine existed for five years, and we and I've said this before, and I don't want to overdo it, but it it changed the neighborhood. And I saw people in the neighborhood. I I had no idea they lived there. And suddenly they were working in the garden with us. And that's what gardening does Mm -hmm. for people. Right. Uh, In my community garden, we have, um, we work with uh, the high schoolers. They start the seedlings with us. Um, We have, everyone's welcome to garden. Uh, We have some um, raised beds that you know people that cannot bend over are, yeah. are accessible sure. for, neighbor, um, yeah. and sure. and it goes back to the community. Any extra produce gets harvested, and we bring it to the food pantry. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and KAM Isaiah Israel is a good example of that yes. as, well, as well. And Peterson Garden Project, and just wonderful things. And by the way, the the garden types that are eligible are ornamental vegetable uh, container. And then specialized gardens, which might be a rain garden, it might be enabling garden, sidewalk, cafes, others, uh, uh, green roofs, and things like that. So we're out of time. Thank you, Val. Yes, real quickly. Uh, Twelve um, community gardens will be recognized throughout the city. Oh, yes, that's cool. That's yes. very so important. You mentioned Excellent. that. Yes. Community gardens have their own special awards. Yes. Uh, we want to thank everybody on the program today. Val Kehoe from Illinois Extension, of course, Heather Holm, <laughs> uh, author of Bees. Uh, identification and plant forage guide uh, Jim Kleinwachter from Conservation at Home Be- Brett Bloom from Breakdown Breakdown uh, and of course Brian Imus from U.S. Green Building Council in Illinois okay until next week go green or go home Stadler uh, what is that it yes it's over How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at MikeNow. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, mike at mikenovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at mikenovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at mikenovak.net.